Wagner. Ungano Luetu, Singabandu Basem Zanz Africa, certainly buoyed this trading update. Um, yes, I understand it's off a low base, but value Juala, but uh, a 55.8% rebound for tops at spa liquor outlets um, over mm. the last 18 weeks or so. Yes, we understand it coincided with the December surge when people like mm. this um, drink a, um, a considerable amount in South Africa. But um, nonetheless, I mean, uh, certainly a rebound and a recovery. What is this going to mean for spa uh, going forward? And I guess uh, in a very competitive uh, mm. food and liquor and grocery retail market. Yeah, in a very much a very competitive industry that they're currently operating. So um, they released the results, um, particularly um, for the group today. Um, total sales, sales, particularly for Southern Africa, increased by 8.2%, um, which was abnormally driven, as indicated, by liquor sales um, at the top um, liquor stores where they do have um, sell liquor. Um, however, the grocery business um, reported um, sales growth of only 3.7 um, against the internally measured price inflation of 4.4%. Um, this 4.4%, however, is quite low for far, and this mm-hmm. has been, might have also been a, a driver to their revenue, um, because if you have looked at previously, the internal inflation was previously um, ranging at about 5.7%. Um, so, yes, the group um, did indicate that trading conditions that many um, other companies were quite challenging during this period, um, with consumer spending um, quite depressed, uh, high unemployment rate, but also, um, as you indicated, aggressive competitive behavior that has been taking place in South Africa. And we've seen in the likes of online grocery delivery taking um, up, being taken up quite considerably by South Africans. And some mm. of those retailers, particularly the of checkers, have been quite considerably successful in this, um, whereas, whereas others haven't been considerably yeah. successful. And SPA obviously hasn't been part of this initiative and will only be launching um, their online grocery delivery um, service, um, which they plan to um, pilot in mm. by the end of March of 2022, which is quite surprising, I wonder, because um, SPARS, as you know, not only operating in South Africa, but globally having had divisions in Poland, Switzerland. And one of the constraints, you may ask, why haven't they introduced this a bit sooner, um, is because of the business model within the South African landscape, because a lot of these bars, franchise stores are mostly family-owned, and the prices are quite considerably different from a spa that you might go to in a particular area where you live, to another area where it may reside. Mm-hmm. And also, the e-commerce, particularly in uh, globally, um, has more matured as the likes of Switzerland and Poland. Um, they've been pretty successful at that. But however, within South Africa, they've had to obviously um, change, have had to obviously adapt. Um, to, the, the, to that particular environment, and that's what hampered them um, from launching that online grocery delivery service. Has that boat not sailed, Akona? Because, I mean, if I think about, uh, you know, Woods speaking about the same thing, they, I think, have a platform in place, probably not as widespread. Spa here is still contemplating, sort of piloting one. Uh, and it mm-hmm. does seem, I mean, if you look at some of the other, um, you know, uh, counterparts in the world of retail, the Checkers Group and Pick and Pay, that uh, they've already sort of moved, integrated this into their existing loyalty programs um, mm-hmm. and I guess all of the other, you know, uh, a retail experience type uh, uh, projects. Um, I mean, does that first move advantage already give uh, them something that could potentially make it very difficult for the likes of Spa and Woolworths to catch up? Yeah, so I think it will be quite difficult, even though um, a lot of us, the majority of us, 
um, are back at our offices or um, are back um, going to the malls or shopping centers. Mm. Um, I think um, just having that alternative um, to give customers and consumers, um, I think it will still be beneficial. Um, maybe not, um, they won't reap the rewards, whereas um, other, uh, particularly checkers or particularly shop rights, um, who was obviously at the forefront of this, um, has been quite successful. Um, so I think um, the shop hasn't failed, but I think it would just be nice to give um, their consumers and shoppers um, that alternative um, should should um, things turn around and, and become quite dire again, which we hope not. Mm, mm. And then, yeah, I want us to take a look at this uh, very interesting story. I mean, we know the spa numbers were buoyed by liquor, but a massive deal on the cards uh, in the liquor space. Heineken set to buy out Distel um, in uh, a very complicated deal here, I must add. Uh, and we did see earlier on today uh, reports leading with uh, the disaffection of the 91 uh, group, which uh, held, I think, holds about 5% uh, of the uh, listed stake in Distel. Uh, I mean, talk to me about this one. And and I guess uh, we do know later on in the day that, you know, this deal got a thumbs up from the shareholder cohort and uh, a few regulatory approvals now stand uh, between this and I guess uh, ultimate conclusion. Yeah, so the Star, which is an alcoholic beverage company um, listed on the JSE, um, has caught the eye, particularly last year, um, of batch brewer Heineken um, in terms of um, wanting to have a stake on acquisition particularly with the style. And this would obviously benefit um, Heineken um, as it looks to um, grow its presence um, in the market, which has been very much dominated um, by AB Inbev, um owned SAB within the South African and African market. Um, so today, yes, as you indicated, um, the shareholders and particularly approved um, overwhelmingly about 94%. Um, the market um, had anticipated about 75% of shareholders would support this. Um, however, they, over, they got about 94%, and this deal was obviously approved by shareholders. Um, so one of the, and some of the key biggest shareholders um, have been the likes of the PIC, um, which currently manages um, assets on the behalf of the GPS, mm. um, and also um, the likes of um, another equity holder, Rainco, which owns about 55.9%. So both these investors and big shareholders um, were in favor of this big deal. Um, however, the likes of other shareholders who had a more lesser um, equity holding within the company, um, such as 91, who voted against the deal, um, however, were not successful um, in their late push um, to launch um, for a sweetened or better offer um, because it feels like shareholders um, who in the past two years went to sell hasn't been um, um, issuing dividends, and this particularly will jeopardize or shareholders not receiving further dividends. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, 91 obviously was against this, and other smaller shareholders. Um, however, as you indicated, yes, it was approved by the shareholders. Uh, however, it does await the regulatory authorities, both in South Africa and globally, um, for this um, deal to go through. Let's talk about the, the substantive issues that 91 raises and their concerns. Um, I mean, a big part, I guess, has to do with uh, the valuation. Um, I mean, R- Richard Rushton, on the one hand, says, you know, this valuation has come in, you know, at um, you know favorable multiple of the, what do they call it, 90-day weighted, uh, you guys know it in the markets, weighted value of whatever. Uh, yeah. And then on the other end, uh, you've got, I guess, 91 suggesting that, you know, with the prospects that Distel would face, shifting consumer preferences in the local market and even in potentially global markets as well, that is favorable to their product mix. Uh, 
that uh, you know a lot of the embedded value in this is probably not captured in the share price. What do you make of that? And I guess 91 suggestion that um, effectively now you know there's a fire sale of very valuable assets, but uh, mm. I guess at very very overvalued terms. Yeah, so um, undervalued. Terms, maybe, yeah, yeah. So maybe let me just start with the the current balance sheet, which is um, looking much healthier than it did um, two years ago. Um, as I indicated, the company hasn't paid dividends in the last two years, mm. um, having come under significant pressures with the lockdowns and um, having impacted um, revenue and growth in terms of their sales. And this obviously has broken quite a big um, and a substantial um, balance sheet in terms of um, the spell. And one of the components which they are arguing is that um, shareholders who are um, have been obviously um, waiting for such distance and fruition to take place won't be benefiting um, from this deal and um, from future dividends um, that will, um, will take place, that may take place. And then in terms of the share price, um, it does um, currently, the, the sell share price today ended just over 1.71%, um, having traded in the morning at about 172 rand. So the current share price in which Hanneken has made an offer um, is twofold. Um, it's the 165% 165 rand um, a share, um, for the sales business, um, which obviously includes the cider, the spirits, and the wine, wine brand, such as um, Amaruna. And then the 15 rand a share for some of the sales international um, brands, um, which is a separate listing um, under a, a company called Cape Finn, um, which is majority owned by Rengo. Um So it is arguing against the terms of that valuation um, with those two um, um, share prices of 165 and the 15 rand a share. Mm. Um, they obviously Heineken has will be purchasing it for approximately 180, and it, and 91 has indicated that this particular asset um, is worth more than so. what is currently being put at the table. And this was um, was the CEO did indicate in terms of the communication um, when this particular price was put to them. Um, it was one of the aspects that board looked at, um, but it wasn't the only aspect. What the worst pressing of issues that um, may have helped this deal um, garner over and reach over the, the, the line was in terms of the growth aspects, the growth prospects, um, in terms of that the acquisition could afford um, this down to newer mm-hmm. markets and bigger markets, um, which, um, which will obviously afford it once it has been approved by all the regulatory um, um, industries, yeah. So when we look at this one, I mean, Akon, uh, a lot of people s- often speak about this sort of, uh, um, you know, when a merger like this happens, entities delisted, makes it very, very difficult for some of those who might want to stay on to be able to sell their shares. Um, I mean, wh- what do you make, I guess, of the assessment here that this deal hasn't come in at a considerable liquidity premium that at least would compensate investors for not being able to sell, sell this off um, at their convenience, largely because it will be delisted? Yeah, so um, I think shareholders, um, particularly minority shareholders, um, will bear the brunt of this. Um, however, we've seen in the last few years, and you may know, um, I, I think you may have discussed it in the show, where we've seen a number of JC listed companies in the, in the past um, 10 years and even more. Um, so like last year, we saw the likes of the last two years, we saw the likes of Clover. And yes, they go through their own challenges, but we've seen um, opportunities, particularly for equity managers, um, become quite slim in terms of investing, um, be it pension fund assets mm. or retail assets, and um, becoming quite slim. So um, 
finding value and also concentration um, is becoming a, a very much a challenge um, where, uh, um, like the likes of NASPERS and POSIS, um, continue to make up a considerably um, big amount on the, on the, on, on, on the JSC board. So this is a challenge, and obviously the minority shareholders, unfortunately, will not be able to, once approved, will obviously struggle um, to, to, to sell those shares. Mm. Yeah, one of those uh, difficult ones. Uh, but I guess, you know, it's the nature of these kinds of deals. I mean, a major brewer here trying to set up another mega, you know, facility that can at least compete with AB and Bev and others. Mm. Uh, yeah. But uh, let's shift our attention to the last one. I want us to take a look at our corner. News coming out of China um, and uh, coming out of uh, the northeastern province of Jilin uh, in uh, the provincial capital of Changchun, where Audi already has a combustion engine production facility there. And uh, Audi, which is owned by Volkswagen, now, um, I guess, uh, partnering with FAW. It's a state-owned player. They make trucks here in Mm. South Africa as well. Uh, And, uh, yeah, these guys have now set up a 3.3 billion US dollar electrical vehicle operation set to produce 150,000 electric vehicles per annum. Uh, What do you make of this one? And I guess more importantly, uh, what it might mean uh, for the leap into electric vehicle production out in China? Yeah, so um, as you indicated, um, automaker Audi, which is currently the joint venture um, with um, the Chinese state-owned Ford Group, which is an automotive manufacturing company, um, will be um, doing, well, last year I think a lot of uh, markets, the market was waiting for an approval, um, particularly of this joint venture, mm-hmm. and today it was announced by the Chinese authorities um, that they can start the construction um, of the 3.3 electric vehicle joint venture plant. Um, so currently, um, Ford, which is the um, state-owned um, auto manufacturing company, um, in this joint venture currently owns about 40%. And Volkswagen and Audi own about 60%. Um, so this plant, which is expected to start production in the last of um, December 2024, and you said it will manufacture about 150 cars, um, electric cars, um, in the next annually, particularly. And this will obviously provide quite a big, considerably stimulus revenue stream for mm. the likes of um, Audi and Volkswagen, um, who are part of uh, a market that is very much growing into that electrical um, mar- vehicle market, and it's very much growing in that market. And um, so they are um, at the forefront um, of this electrical vehicle venture um, with the likes of the state-owned um, partner. So it is a, a sweet deal for them, and it was um, anticipated, um, although it took longer than expected to announce. Um, however, I think um, Audi and Volkswagen um, were pleased that um, this was approved, and they can obviously start the ball rolling in terms of the uh, manufacturing the plant, um, but also in the revenue stream that will come in the next few years in the manufacturing of that 150 cars mm, per year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess, you know, this might give some lessons. I mean, the fact that there's already combustion engine production, uh, you know, or, or production of vehicles powered by combustion engines in Changchun might give some, I guess, lessons even for us here at home of how to transition certain plants from combustion engine production right through, I guess, to electric vehicles. And, of course, that will certainly have some lessons for component suppliers uh, who also in China will have to make that transition. Yeah, no, you're quite right. And I think um, our commodity miners, resource companies will be the beneficiaries of this, mm. um, the likes of your platinums, um, the likes of your um, iron ore specifically, um, who are quite diversified and are, are at 
are able to um, export these materials um, to the Asia, um, Asia and also um, other markets where this is taking place quite aggressively. Um, yes, um, not as much here. Um, I think we still have to keep or try to keep the lights on here first um, before we can um, get on to such ambitious plans, unfortunately. Mm. Akwana, as always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much uh, for taking time out to speak to us. Thank you very much, Ahibang. Akonam Lamleli is a portfolio manager out at 274 Investment Managers, joining us this evening for our wrap of the top business stories. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, Sambaskas Kangal Bagunzagandoni, Russia, Nasa Ukraine, and of course the role of NATO in that unfolding and looming situation, which we're told has eased off. The markets have responded in tow, but I think many people are rather hawkish about how that situation is going to unfold. Business wrap of the day on Metro FM Talk with Ayabonga Tawe. Metro FM Talk. Call, call Ayabonga on Metro FM Talk. 0891-104-107.